Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. For today's issue in Shear, we are going to be discussing Tuba of what exactly it is and a little bit about what it isn't. And the moment of this recording, this year, Tuf Shin Pei Aleph, Tuba of will be falling out this week and it'll be falling out on Shabbos. I do not remember the last time the tube of fell out on Shabbos. So in Baltzfila workshop, we spoke a little bit about what you can do this Shabbos, which is also Shabbos Nachamu, to try to incorporate a little bit of tuba of love in there. So while we're on that, we'll have to also get to the bottom of this mysterious holiday to talk about, again, what it is and what it isn't, because um, we have to dispel the false notion that Tubav is just the Jewish version of Valentine's Day, Chas V'Shalom. That's no more accurate than the foolish suggestion that Purim is the Jewish Halloween, Chas V'Shalom, and those are actually opposites. And similar to the, to the ignorant suggestion that Hanukkah is the Jewish um, Kratzmach, or that uh, Tuba Shvat is the Jewish Earth Day, so, before we get carried away, we're going to try to actually look back at the original source, um, the Gemara and Tainus, which discusses it. And really, there are various suggestions that are given to explain what exactly Tuba of is. And usually, when there are several answers to a given question, usually that means that the question is a bit greater than any of the answers. And that means that we, again, have to do a little bit of heavy lifting to try to understand what the holiday is really about, why, in fact, Tuba of was instituted as this minor holiday, um, so to speak. And even while we're referring to it as a minor holiday, we have to acknowledge the fact that the places in Chazal where it's discussed, so in Tainus, in Perak Dalid, in Mishnah Ches, also in the Gemara in Tainus, in Lamed Amid Beis and Lamed Aleph Amid Aleph. So the Gemara compares Tuba of to Yom Kippur of all days. The Gemara states that there were no holidays quite like Tuba of and Yom Kippur, that apparently these are two of the happiest days. The Gemara says, I understand why you would say such a thing about Yom Kippur, where we're forgiven for all of our Averos and we get the, the second pair of Luchos. Understood. What about Tuba of? And that's where the Gemara goes off to try to, to explain the, the special simcha that was associated with Tuba of. Right? And again, it's put up on the pedestal, one of the happiest days, next to Yom Kippur. Uh, you know, we're, we're, it's not being compared to Purim, um, uh, but it's being compared to Yom Kippur. And so we really have to understand you know, what, what's going on here. What's, what's the, uh, again, what is the essence of Tuba of? Why was it so holy? What does this day represent? What is the potential that lies within Tuba of, the 15th of the month of Av? So in terms of why there has been an association made between Tuba of and, again, I don't want to use the words Valentine's Day anymore, but the concept of maybe Ahava and the connection between Ahasan and Kala, so if you look at the different answers that are given in the Gemara, a couple of the answers seem to point to such a theme. So the Gemara describes um, that what, how would they observe um, Tuba Av. So seemingly 
in a way that kind of, again, touches on that theme, that the women would go out, they would wear white clothes, and they would dance in the vineyards, and the Gemara states that anybody who wanted to, you know, anybody who was single, essentially, who wanted to, who was, you know, get, who was of marriageable age, they would go out and find a woman from the vineyards. Now, it's not clear to me if, from the push-up shot of the Gemara, the men would go out and watch the, the women dancing. That, to me, seems highly inappropriate, and certainly by today's standards, um, well, what any of the poskim would be okay with. So presumably, um, you can explain the Gemara very simply that they would go, at, you know, the women would go out and dance, I guess, in, in, you know, in celebration of the day, and then maybe the, the men would come after and you know, go to the singles event, um, um, and again, maybe for some people's standards today, that's also not okay. Maybe you know, you have to you'll have to do a little bit of work to try to explain the Gemara. Nonetheless, this was a day where apparently shaduchim would be made. Now, that doesn't mean that there is you know a, a winged baby flying around and shooting people with arrows. Um, but what it does mean is we do have to try to understand why this day was considered to be a misugal, um, to you know, or or auspicious for for creating shaduchim. What we do find in the Gemara, the first, well, at least among the explanations, we find that after the uh, the, the conquest and the division of the of Eretz Canaan, or really Eretz Yisrael, in the time of Yehoshua, there was a ban um, of intermarriage between the shvatim. That had been lifted, right? We know at the time of the Benos Tzalafchad, so we spoke about this in Parshas uh, Pinchas and Parshas Mase, um, back in Parsha Panorama. This came up, the story where the Benos Tzalafchad, they um, were inheriting land for their father, their late father Tzalafchad, and um, the Bnei Menashe didn't want any land to be, um, to be decreased from their Sheva. So they made a rule at the time that the Benos Tzalaf had to marry within the tribe, and it seems like there was a ban in general about intermarrying into other tribes. So therefore, their, um, um, yeah, um, that ban was lifted, and now all the Shvatim could marry within one another. And you know, then we find, you know, like um, in, um, um, even in later times, the Gemara tells us, or maybe even the Mishnah, that Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, who had machlokas when it came to even laws pertaining to Arayos, and yet they married within one another, they respected one another, and they made Shaduchim within one another. And so it seems like this was a means for a celebration, that the Shvatim could intermarry, that even though there were technical reasons, um, and maybe financial reasons, and also reasons connected to the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. There are reasons why certain Shidduchim could not be made, but now um, the, the Shidduch crisis, if, you, if we can call it that, um, was, was relieved, and um, the Shidduch prospects, the, the options, were now expanded, and also the ability for tribes to become, uh, to become linked in a more intimate way um, you know, the, the, that, was, that was now created. So that, that's one of the reasons that we have to above. The other, um, f- um, another reason that's related to intermarriage, and the good kind of intermarriage, not, not, you know, not the kind of intermarriage that we, we uh, bemoan today, but um, the, good, the good kind of intermarriage between Shvatim, we find the story of uh, Pilegish Begiva, a very grotesque story in the 19th parak of, of, of Sefer Shoftim and Navi. So after that, there was a there was a ban against Shevet Binyamin. Um, the, the story of Plegish Begiva, uh, where a bunch of uh, where a mob of men 
um, who happened to be from Shevet Binyamin, they, um, they molested and killed, essentially, a Pilegesh, a concubine, in a really, a, a really wacky story. In the, in the, in the Navi, um, there was a ban that was put on Shevet Binyamin, and that ban eventually got lifted. And when, when they realized that, you know, it wasn't all of Shevet Binyamin, um, it, was, you know, it was just a group of lawless people, and eventually they were going to, and Sheva Binyamin almost got eliminated. They, they, were, they, were, they were, almost became um, an extinct, um, endangered spe- species, and then Sheva Binyamin would, would be able to now intermarry, and then um, and once they were able to marry back in, so the, the legacy of Binyamin would live on. So that's another connection to marriage. But then we get a bunch of other connections that don't seem to have much to do with marriage at all. So, for example, perhaps the most, um, you know, there's, there's, well, there's one particular um, reason that's brought down in the Gemara that's very mysterious. And I, I'll, I'll save that one for the end just because I had the hardest time understanding it. But there's another, another one of the uh, apparently um, festive occasions that caused Tubav was Tubav was also the day where um, the, um, so um, Hoshea HaMelech he had removed the idols uh, that Yeruvim had put up by, by Dun and Basel so we have the, the two I, I think this is a reference to the two golden calves that Yeruvim made um, another story in Navi this one comes up in Malachim and Hoshea finally removed those, and those idols were used as, in a certain sense, they were they were guards. They were like blockades, keeping the Bnei Israel from having access to Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash. Um, the, the 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 ten tribes, particularly, were being withheld. Once these things were moved, they they were granted um, access. So this is a, a simcha, and this is a, another one of the reasons for Tubav. Okay, um, another. One of the suggestions that's brought down in the Gemara is that the the, the miracle um, of Betar, right? So we know that there were um, the there were uh, many many people in Betar were massacred during the Bar Kokhba um, revolt, and uh, at this time the Roman occupiers actually finally allowed the victims of that massacre in Betar to be buried. And the Gemara tells us that the bodies didn't decompose. This is the reason for the bracha of Hatova Hamedev in benching. The Chachme Yavne instituted this bracha um, for the Haruge Betar. The, the, the chesed that Hashem not only um, allowed them to be buried, but the fact that the bodies didn't even decompose. So well, we have to... And, so then, and this, that, that's um, another one of the suggestions. And then finally, um, I think we're up to the last one. Let me just look quickly at the Gemara. Oh, so we actually have two major ones that I, that I did not mention. So another one of the major ones that, um, that connects specifically to um, what we know the month of Av to be mainly about, namely the, the Gullus, the decree of Gullus for the Chet HaMiraglim. So the Gemara tells a story about how every year of the 40 years of wandering, so the Bnei Israel on Tishbev, they would literally dig their own graves, at least the literal reading of the Gemara, they would dig their own graves, they would sit in their graves and expecting that most of them would die, or at least a bunch of them each year, until the 40 years of exile were up, we knew that that generation was, was decreed that they were not going to enter Eretz Israel, so a bunch of them would, would, would lie down expecting to die. The final group of that generation 
um, on the for, uh, at the fortieth year, they went to sleep in their graves on Tisha B'Av, and then all of a sudden they wake up and they 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 thought maybe they miscalculated the days because they were expecting to be dead. This was this was the last group, the last shift, as it were. They were expecting to not enter Eretz Yisrael, and yet they lived. They woke up. Their their neshamas came back to them. And they kept on, and they thought maybe we miscalculated, so they kept on going back into their grave until Tuba of, they woke up and, the, you know, they saw the, um, you know, um, at the nighttime at least, they saw the moon and they realized, okay, Tishbev must have passed and we're still alive. It must mean that we're going to be entering Eretz Yisrael. Now, why exactly this group of people would have been worthy if they were in the generation that was supposed to die out? So... Um, I was having a little bit of trouble trying to understand that, but there's a Rashbam um, on the Gemara in uh, Bava Rashi uh, um, um, seems to be quoting this Gemara in, um, in, when he comments on this Gemara in Tainus. And the point is that um, there, um, apparently the, the, this last group was going to be making it in, and it could be the idea is that really the 40 years, so this generation... We thought that it was counting age 20 from the time of the Chet HaMaraglim, but it seems that really, since the 40 years had started being counted earlier, right, it was really only 38 to 39 years that was added on. So really, you had to be 20 from the time of the Chet HaEgel. Right? We spoke about this in Muslim Minutes a while back, suggesting that... that um, the Egel was really the beginning of the decree of Gullus, and it was only finalized by the Meraglim. So the Chet HaEgel was, if that was the starting point, so really perhaps you had to be age 20 from that point on. So th- this last group of people who were apparently the underage, they didn't realize that they were not included in the decree, that apparently um, by the standards of the decree, they were really still underage. They were not going to be, um, they were not going to die out in the midbar, but these groups, this group of people, um, 1,500 or so people, were able to enter Eretz Yisrael with the Bnei Yisrael. So this was obviously a great simcha, and so therefore they were able to go into Eretz Yisrael. Okay, and this was discovered obviously on Tuba of. So that's another simcha. Okay, now I think we're up to the final one on the list, and then we have to do some work, and that is to, again, understand why exactly Tubav is what it is, and what is it really. So the last one um, is um, seemingly the least exciting, but apparently this is the time that the cutting of the wood for the ma'aracha, the arrangement of wood on the mezbeach, for the in the base of or in, um, so the cutting of the wood that normally took place throughout the year, it would um, they would stop cutting the wood for that year on tuba of, and why? And the Gemara explains because the sun was not as strong and therefore the wood would not be as hard and stiff. It would be very uh, moist and very, um, I guess, not it just not good quality of wood. It would be very it would just be too soft. And it would get become putrid, and it would be um, basically blemished. Uh, it would not be even qualifiable for the for the mizbeach. So they just stopped cutting the wood that day. And apparently, this is a simcha for some reason. So why exactly? Not so clear. Um, the the Stein, uh, Steinsalt suggested that it was like a chag ha'ila note, so to speak, um, a celebration for the trees. Um, I don't know. I forget his exact lashon, um, but. The, the the point is that it, um, and I, I'm not I'm not sure I'm compelled by the suggestion that it, that it's uh, 
that it's a, it was a, a festival for the trees. But the Mepharshim are very not clear about it. Um, though Rashi, um, I'm sorry, not Rashi, the Gemara goes on to explain that the days um, um, got shorter because of the sun's um, weakening. And this is the day that the nights get longer. And once the nights start getting longer, so this is a time for more Torah learning. And this is how the Gemara understands the weakening of the sun. Now what this has to do with the, the stoppage of the woodcutting and why the Gemara says that this is also, the, they call the day, um, the day of the breaking of the scythe. The scythe, right? Tavar uh, Magal, the breaking of the, of the scythe. Why? Because they were not using it anymore to cut any wood. So they, so to speak, would break their sides for the year. So again, but why is this a holiday? Um, you know, is it, was, it such, was it such a burden to cut wood for the Maracha that now that they couldn't do it anymore for the year and they just would use old wood, all of a sudden it's a means for a simcha? Uh, so it, we really need to do some work um, on explaining all of this. So let's try, let's try to just walk a few steps back and try to understand what exactly is Tuba of. So we have a bunch of explanations. Um, you know, some of them are really happy. Some of them are, you know, seem neutral at best, and for some reason Tuba became a holiday, and we can't pin it on one, one answer. It's, a, it's just a bunch of different answers. So we suggested, or at least we acknowledge that some of them have to do with the idea of marriage, or at least a couple of the answers are associated with that. Does that make it, um, you know, Jewish love day? Like, what exactly, what, what exactly is that about? Or again, why is the day Mesugal for Shaduchim? So, instead of looking at just one or two of the answers, let's just try to look at all the answers together and see what we can come up with, right? The, apparently, the panemius of the holiday, if we take all of the answers and look at all of them in common, and we're going to see how this also is going to be connected to Yom Kippur, but what apparently all of the happy occasions have in common is they all represent barriers being lifted and creating pathways for new unions, new relationships, but not, you know, not just any old unions, but for holy unions, as opposed to unholy unions, right? Like the intermarriage here is holy intermarriage, not unholy intermarriage. So we see this obviously with the, the, the tribal intermarriage and the Binyamin intermarriage that was finally allowed, but we see this also, the ability for Kleistrel to return on the path to remove the idols of Yeravim and to allow them access to the Beis HaMikdash, that's a union created, Ahava, a bond between Kla Yisrael and their Avinu Shabbat Shemayim and really their beloved. So that, that, that's, now, um, that's now a barrier that was lifted for Kla Yisrael. A barrier, um, a, a, by, um, a gullus dika barrier by nature and that has now been removed. And we see the same thing uh, by, um, in a similar sense. The Haruge Betar, part of the, a, a Levaya and a proper Kavura, that essentially is a portal uh, that, that, that allows the deceased of this world to properly make their way into the next world. And the fact that the bodies of these individuals of Betar, the, um, they didn't decompose, but they were, they were given proper leave, proper um, escorting, Back to you know, back to their roots, that their neshamas can return properly to Avinu Shemashemayim is really the same idea. Right? And what what other answers do we have here? So, um, the the idea of 
Israel, a, um, a group of people from uh, the generation, believing that they're not going to enter Eretz Yisrael, and all of a sudden they wake up and realize that they actually can be among those who enter Eretz Yisrael. So that Ahava, the, that between them and Hashem, the, uh, you know, the realization of that Ahava being able to be lived and experienced, the fact that they'll be able to go into Eretz Yisrael, and that union, that barrier between them, that Golistika barrier between them and Avinu Shabbat obviously is connecting to this very same Simcha, the Ahava, the holy union that we should be able to create between us and Hashem is finally being allowed. And maybe this can also be connected to the stoppage of the woodcutting for the Ma'aracha, which in itself is an important avoda. Um, I, I don't know if we would call it a technical, I don't know if it's technically an avoda, but certainly a heksha avoda. And there are things that are important that we have to do. We have chores. You know, we have to, for example, collect parnasa for our house. If you want to learn Torah, you want to serve Hashem properly and do all the mitzvahs, so it requires a burden. You know, someone has to win um, bread for the house. Someone has to work. And chores have to be done, and, the, and someone has to pick up the kids, and this and that. All these things that have to be done. But when the nights get longer, you have more time to genuinely engage with Hashem. Right? You, you get to throw the scythe away. You get to actually learn more Torah. And you, 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 there's not any more work you can do for the Mizbeach. We would love to just do the Avodah on the Mizbeach and not have to prepare the Mizbeach. We will, you know, there, there are things that we just have to do because we have to do them because someone has to do it. But when the nights get longer and when the, sun's, the sun weakens and there's no more wood that we can possibly cut for the Mizbeach, there is a simcha for a time just to be able to sit with our beloved. Just a time to take, you know, take the night off and, and go on a date with Hashem, as it were, to be able to learn Torah. Again, a room for Ahava to be forged and strengthened and sustained between us and our beloved. It's not just about man and his wife or, or a guy and his girlfriend. It's, it's, it's really what Ahava is really for. And in a similar vein, we could compare this to Yom Kippur, which if, you, if we realize the essence of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is really a day about intimacy. Right? We think about the, the, uh, you know, the Kohen Gadol, and going going to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it represents, and the Kohen cannot do this if he was not married. We spoke about this in Parsha Panorama as well. The essence of Yom Kippur is really about the ultimate intimacy. And Tuba of is about making way for that intimacy. I think for this reason, it's, it's not a surprise that Tuba of is the halfway mark between Tisha B'Av, or, or really the beginning of Av, the, 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 nine, the sad nine days. So the halfway mark between the beginning of Av and the beginning of Elul, which is Anila Dodi Vedodili. Elul is the beginning of that Ahava between us and Hashem really starting to be forged. It takes off on Tuba of. The pathway for that Ahava um, is, is paved on Tuba of. And I think this also really will help explain why, on a deeper level, all of our wedding songs, or at least virtually all of the Jewish wedding songs, are not just about the chasen and the kala, but it's, but it's about the Arei Yehuda, the chutzos Yerushalayim. Why we sing imesh kachech Yerushalayim alosh simchasi at every single chasna. Why is every single chasna really only half about the chasen and kala, and the other half, at the very least, if not more, is really about, is about Yerushalayim? And it's because, really, if you think that a relationship is just what it is, you know, and it's a separate entity from your relationship with Hashem, that's obviously a mistake. It should never be a question in your relationship. Well, who do you love more, your wife or Hashem? 
or your husband or Hashem. It's all one, in par- it's all part and parcel of the same relationship. And if it's a separate entity from that relationship with Hashem, then it's then it, it, it's it's a fake entity. It's a, it's an intrinsically empty entity. Every relationship that we have that's sacred is a relationship that's built on and with our relationship with Hashem. And you cannot ever forget that, even in the highest of simchas of, of, uh, that, that you experience in this world, al rosh simchasi, on top of everything, we don't forget Yerushalayim. And that's why every wedding song is about Yerushalayim. That's why we sing a mishkachich. It's why the chassan wears ashes on his head to remember the korban and why he breaks the glass. It's, 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 it's because you don't experience a simcha without recognizing that the shechina is still in Galus and really the main relationship, the main ahava that has to be fostered, fostered, sustained and strengthened in this world is, is the ahava that we have with Hashem, our relationship with Hashem, which is still not as full as it could be when we don't have the base of when Yerushalayim is not built up properly. That is what Tuba of is about. Right? It's, it's not just about the natural love between a chasen and a kala, between a, a husband and a wife. It's, it's about the, 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 the reason that we have such a relationship. Why did Hashem create the relationship between man and woman if not for us to understand the shir hashirim relationship between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That's what the whole purpose of having a relationship is, so that we can understand and build on that. That's why we, we, we wish the chasen and kala, we, 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 we bless them that they should build a bayis ne'emon be'israel. What is a bayis ne'emon be'israel? Bayis ne'emon be'israel, a stable house in Israel is a house that is built, that, that's founded on the principles of Avas Torah, Yeras Shemayim, and the relationship with Hashem. If, if the, and we know with the famous Sheva Brachos Dvar Torah, that you, know, that you have an Isha and an Isha. Isha has a Yud, Isha has a He. Whenever you have the Yud and the He, the Shem Hashem, whenever Hashem is in the relationship, it's great. You have an Isha and an Isha, that's the beauty of the marriage. And if not, if the Shem Hashem is gone, what do you have? You have Ish. That is exactly what the Churban was. The Churban, the Beis HaMikdash, was set to fire because the Shechina left it. Because the Ava of Hashem, Hashem was not within the relationship. That's what we mean when we, when we bless the chassan and kah that they build the bias and then Yisrael. It's not, it's not about Valentine's Day, and hopefully it's the last time I'm going to say it, but it's, it's, a, it's about the relationship that we have with Hashem and all the other relationships that we have in this world, all the places for Ahava that help us understand and foster and strengthen and sustain that relationship with Hashem. That, that, that is what the whole purpose of Ahava is. And I think that really more or less takes us through what Tuba of is, and again, alluding a little bit to what Tuba of isn't, and having an understanding of the Torah approach to Ahava, the Torah approach to love. Okay, I think that's all for this Real Talk Torah. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah and all its conceptions of what Ahava is. Thank you for joining us here at the Database.